song i really do i love that i i think uh, i was just sitting there thinking I, i'd like to get am i turning on here yep okay get me on there all right uh, I'd like maybe sometime bell and you know you come back and uh, maybe tonight or something like that we we get the words up for that you could lead us all into singing that wouldn't that be good i think that just want to thank you lord amen uh, if if, uh, if I could lead singing or if I could sing or if I could remember the words, I would have done it this morning, but uh, I just couldn't do it. But Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10 is where we're going to look. Now, I'm going to fly and thank the Lord. I've got a few extra minutes this morning uh, and uh, I got a lot uh, and, and I, I hope that doesn't scare you to death because usually that means I'll go shorter uh, because when I say I'll go short, I go long. So when I say I go long, maybe I'll go shorter. But uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 1, I'm going to begin right there. It says, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about, excuse me, to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And then verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Let's have a 
Word of prayer. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Holy Spirit of God, please guide my mind. Give me clarity of, of thought. And, and Holy Spirit, I yield myself to thee. And, and Lord, please put your arms around this place that, that uh, the words that needs to be said would be said and that, that they'd be received clearly and concisely, Lord. I pray, please, that you bless all that's done here. Spirit of God, we need you. We need you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. What is the truth about law and grace? That's what I want to uh, talk about this morning. What is the truth about law and grace? Uh, there's three categories that I'm, I'm going to give you, three categories of error. Three categories of error. No, number one, we're going to go through this pretty fast, but number one, it's called legalism. Now, legalism is simple, the simple belief that we must earn salvation through the keeping of the law. Uh, that's legalism or legalistic, and, and a lot of people use that term, but they don't use it properly. Uh, it's, uh, it's legalism. It, now, this is, legalism is arrogant and ludicrous, even, even to some extent evil. And I want you to understand why ar- arrogant, and that's anyone could think that they could ever be good enough. That's just arrogant, to think somehow that you could be good enough, which in reality would mean that they believe and achieve, they can achieve spiritual perfection, and, and nobody in this planet and in this earth other than Jesus Christ has ever or will ever achieve spiritual perfection in this body. Uh, we're, just, we, we're not going to get there. Uh, I wish we could, but we can't. And so uh, it's just not possible. Ludicrous in, in that even if it were possible to, to achieve spiritual perfection, you would have already sinned before achieving this perfection, and that sin would still have to be paid for. I mean, it's a ridiculous argument because before you figured out that you can be spiritually perfect, you weren't. And so you got sin that has to be paid for. Make sense to you? So, I mean, it just, and it's evil in that I believe this teaching sometimes is used to keep people in subjection and fear, therefore reaping the temporal benefits of the fear in the people, both financially and through the control, through subservient fear. We're just, you're going to have to do what I tell you to do because I'm the leader and you got to get spiritually perfect like me. Now, I don't mean that, you know. Some of you think, okay, I know. No, that, I'm trying to give you an illustration here. Now, number two is called antinomianism. And now it, it means, anti means against, and nomos, the, it means the law, and it's the belief that we are saved by grace, which we are. Therefore, it does not matter how we live or behave. The book of James addresses this importance of how we live. For man looks on the outward appearance. God never intended grace to allow us to be lawless in this life. Never intended that. James 1.25 says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, be a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now I want you to notice the terminology. It didn't say saved, it said blessed in his deed. Grab the terminology. There is such a misunderstanding today between eternal and temporal application of, of Scripture. It is amazing. Uh, there's an eternal application of Scripture, but there's a temporal, this present world application of Scripture. And so we're saved by grace eternally, but we find blessing in obedience to God's laws and principles and statutes and promises in this temporal life. Now, number three is what's called, what, it's not a term that's used very often, and, and, uh, but this is a term that some use, it's called Galatianism. Uh, from the, the book of Galatians and the people of the, uh, Galatia, it says, it says, we are saved by grace, but kept by works. 
saved by grace, but kept by works, which is, honestly, it's effectively, it's, it's, it's uh, salvation by the law. It's, it's work salvation. But we find this all over the South, folks. I mean, it really is. It's all over the South. The problem is we can't find it in Scripture, okay? We find it all over in churches in the South, but you just cannot find it in Scripture. If you are kept by works, you are, you are re, in reality saved by your works, now, this takes us back to the arrogance of man and the fear tactics of mis- misguided leadership. It's just there's no way. There's, there's no way that you, you live in absolute turmoil every day of your life if you've got to keep your salvation. Even if you got it by grace, if you've got to keep it somehow, you, you live in, in turmoil. Every, day you put your, every night you put your head on your pillow, you're going to be miserable because you'll be wondering, did I mess up today? Unless you just kind of lie to yourself and say, no, I'm good. You know, uh, well, go ahead and tell yourself how good you are. But God said, there's none good, no, not one. We've all gone astray. Now, the three errors, but what is the truth? What is the truth about, the law, about law and grace? And, and, uh, and I, I know we're in this, this time period of this. Maybe this reason God's brought me to, to this. But I, I prepared this a couple of weeks ago. And and, and it just has been on my heart and mind. But my, one of the, may, maybe one of the most abused verses in the Bible is Romans 10, 4. It says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. First, let's make it clear. You know, the, every man that ever lived, I want you to understand this, every man that ever lived who ends up in heaven will do so by grace. Okay. Sin was present from, from the first man, Adam, and the penalty of sin was already enacted. So sin is in this world. But man was, was, was always from the beginning under grace. The law, you, know, you think of it, no, well, no, it was the law and then it was grace. Well, let's, the law was not given uh, until 430 years after the covenant, covenant was made with Abraham. So it couldn't have been always under the law. They were under grace. Look, this means Abraham, the law didn't come until the scripture, and we'll read it in just a second, was the law wasn't given until 430 years after Abraham. So this means Abraham was under grace, Isaac was under grace, Jacob was under grace, the children of Israel, while slaves in Egypt were under grace, and when they were set free, they were under grace. The scripture teaches us that God added the law because of transgressions. Now, I want you, again, that terminology, the word transgression means to trespass upon forget, forbidden ground. Now, we, the law was added because we trespassed upon for, forbidden ground. Now, how can you know that something's forbidden unless there's a sign telling you it's forbidden? I mean, how can you, you, how can you know that land is posted and you're not supposed to walk on it, no trespassing, unless a sign says there's no trespassing? Galatians chapter 3, verse 15 says this, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant. Yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And I know it's a little confusing here, but it says this. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. 
For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Everybody, I know it's real, it's, lot, it's real wordy, but we get, that brings us to verse 19. This is the most important verse. Wherefore then serveth the law? So how's, how's the law serve us? How's the law here? Why, why is it here? It, right here, it says, It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Why the law? Because of transgressions. Before the law, sin existed. Now understand, the law didn't make sin exist. Sin already existed. And now the law, what did the law do? The law helped man to understand the gravity and seriousness of sin. The law made it, look, uh, we don't know that, the, even although if you, if you read state laws, you, you, you would know this, but, but you, know, you really don't know the speed limit of this road out here until you see a sign. And once you see a sign, you know the speed limit. And, and now, so there's a law that this, for that, that road, that there's a certain speed limit for that road, but you really don't know that until you read it. Now, if you go to the state statutes, and you, what you'll find out is any unmarked road is, you know, a certain speed. But, but, but the fact is, before the law, sin existed, but man did not understand the gravity and seriousness of their sin. They did not recognize it as sin. Now, may, maybe this illustration will help you a little bit. The... Um, the 18th Amendment made it illegal to sell alcohol. But soon it was repealed and it became legal again. Now, the prohibition of the law against alcohol didn't change the heart of man. Okay, the law against alcohol didn't change the heart of man. But also, the law didn't make it immoral or more. It didn't make it a sin or not a sin. It made it illegal. So making it illegal or making it legal doesn't change this, the fact that it is wrong. Okay? And so the repealing of the law made it legal, but didn't make it, didn't make it moral. The repealing of the law of God from our lives does not stop immorality from being immoral. So why the law? We see this today pictured in kids in the grocery store. Now, this, this is why we have law. Anybody have been in the grocery store where somebody's in front of you or behind you and the kids throwing a conniption fit, <laughs> screaming their brains out? throwing a fit, stomping, screaming, fighting. Anybody ever been there? Okay, you're afraid to raise your hand because it was your kid. Okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, they want that. And, and look, look, they're not dumb. They know they're in public and you can't do anything. They really, they're going to push your button now because, you know, hey, I know where I am. But watch this now. We stand in line, kids screaming for everything, and here's what we say. We mumble, you know, that kid's a holy terror. Well, we don't say it out loud because, you know, all of our kids were always under control. But we're like, man. And here's the next thing I'm going to think. Give me that kid for about five minutes, and they won't do this anymore. Now, what's the problem with this child? Honestly, the parents never set up laws and results to breaking the law. You say, oh, brother. The, uh, look, let me, I'm going to give all the parents out here, young parents, I don't know any, but I'm going to give all the young parents a little advice. Here's your little law. 
you never get anything you cry for. The moment you cry for something, it just got eliminated. And you do that for just a little while, it cuts down the, the fits. Because I was going to get you that candy bar, no more. Watch this. You're not getting it because you're crying for it. Now, we go into the store and you ask me, then Daddy probably get it for you. You throw a fit for it, uh-uh, it's gone. Does that help y'all? I'm telling you, it works. It really does. Watch this, though. You've got to be a little consistent with it, though. You've got to be a little consistent with it. That means that, Daddy, you've got to go shopping with them all the time. So now, y'all didn't get that. But anyway. <laughs> ah, the law. The law. The law is, is, is right. Oh, I hate to break that. Uh, <laughs> the law is, is right here. It's the law of gravity. You know what? You really, unless there's a greater law, that law of gravity is going to bring you down. But there's a greater law. It's called the law of inertia. There was another law that stopped it. That's what grace is. Grace came in and said, you know what? No. But grace was already here, and grace is a greater law over the law. The... Um, if you, if you have a glass of water, we've got two of them over here. If I've got a glass of water, the terminology is always so important in the Word of God. But if I have a glass of water, it, the Scripture didn't say that the, the, we exchange grace for the law or law for grace. The law was added to it. It was an addition. To add is to bring something additional to what you already have. The people of Israel had been miraculously delivered, and now they murmur and gripe and complain about the, the water. They complain about the food. They attacked Moses, and in reality, rebelled against God. Now, why didn't God simply obliterate them? Uh, because of grace. They were under grace. They, they really did not fully understand the, the really what they were doing. They didn't understand the penalty of what they're doing. Grace is patient. Uh, you show uh, the patience you show to someone who is ungrateful or even griping and complaining after you've done much for them. My preacher used to say this. He, he, would, just, he would have somebody get really angry at him, and, his, and we'd be in a meeting somewhere, and he'd be talking about, man, I just, I, that fellow is attacking me, attacking me. He said, I don't understand why he's so upset at me. I never did anything for him. Think about what he just said. He said, I don't understand why he's so angry at me. I never did anything for him. And what he was saying was, everybody I do something for seems to get mad at me. And you know, the truth is, that's kind of the way God, God looks at us and said, my goodness, why are you upsetting me? I'm doing so much for you. Why this, terror, uh, this incredible patience of God with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the people of Israel, is because of grace. Why this incredible patience of God with us today is because of grace. You know, it's a miracle God hadn't obliterated America already. We're butchering babies just every day. 
Why has God not obliterated China? It's, it was years ago that I first read where China, uh, this big article about China where they were, they were already 15 years ago in partial birth abortion and, and just murdering babies and just piling them up outside partial birth abortion. Inject, and I won't go into all uh, how they do it or anything. It's so incredibly, I mean, it's so incredibly evil. Why have they not been just obliterated? Because of grace. Because of grace. I said then, I said, I mean, they've got to be judged. Well, then I came to the realization America's no different. Millions. It's moving towards 60 million babies that have been murdered in the womb. So why was this law? We've got this incredible grace, this wonderful grace, but why was the law given to man? Again, sin existed, but they just did not know what it was. Up to the point under grace, God had blessed them with deliverance, with water and food. Now think about the people of Israel. When they come out of captivity, as they come out, God blesses them. He gets water from the rock, and they drink water in the wilderness. A wilderness is worse than a desert. But it's a, uh, they get water from the rock in the wilderness. God provides for them by grace. They get manna from heaven. God provides for them by grace. And so... <clears throat> Up to this point, God has blessed them with deliverance of water, with food, by grace. Because, honestly, they don't really understand their sin. They don't understand uh, their rebellion. They don't fully com- comprehend uh, where you know, this, this, this evilness of their heart is going to take them. They, they, it really has not been addressed. But now, the law comes in. The law comes in, and they would now, here's the big change. They're not saved by the law. They're blessed by the law. And this is what you got to understand. They would be blessed by their understanding and striving to obey the law. Once the law came in, it, no more. God's saying, uh, look, uh, you know, under grace, you're just ignorant. And so you need water, I'm going to give you water because you don't understand the sin in your life. You need food, I'm going to give you food because you don't understand the sin in your life or the penalty of sin. The law came in and said, do you understand? This is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and you should be doing this. And God said, now you know so watch this now your blessing is not going to come purely because of my grace it's going to come by your obedience blessing not salvation blessing now you understand without grace you're still not going to get that blessing but he's saying under grace with law added to it now through obedience you're going to be blessed this is where our world's going to wake up here. Our Christian world's going to wake up here pretty soon. And they're going, to, they're going to move towards atheism because they have been taught that they're supposed to be blessed while there is no obedience. But if you don't, they're going to wake up and find out there's not going to be blessing. This nation does not have to continue on in the way we're continuing. Uh, this nation can come under, we, we think, you know, the Lord's just going to come back and we'll get out of here. But that's not necessarily the case that he's going to come back right now. We may come under judgment before he comes back. And when he, that judgment will, could bring us down. We could be scraping for food and going from meal to meal like the people uh, that I go visit with my children over in Africa. We're not better than them. We're all created by the same God. And you say, well, how come we, we have so much? It, it, here's the problem. We don't even appreciate how much we have. 
Again, our children, obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings correction. When disobedience brings blessing, then we're not rearing our children properly. That means if they're crying and throwing a fit and we stick a candy bar in their mouth just to get them to shut up. We're not helping them. We're hurting them. Now, this leads us back to our text. I told you I, was, I got a lot today, but it leads us back to our text. Verse 4 said this, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Here's the problem. I, I've heard this, and maybe because I just keep hearing this, but, but it's thrown at us and thrown at us and thrown at us. Christ is the end of the law. Christ is the end of the law. Christ is the end of the law. That's not all that verse says. Look at what it says. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. You see, so many stop in this verse, for Christ is the end of the law, but this is not what the verse says completely. Everyone who comes to Christ, comes to Christ by faith is saved by grace. The righteousness of Christ is therefore a gift. The law can bring no righteousness. James 2.10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So the law cannot bring you righteousness because there's nobody that's kept all of the law. We're going to offend in one point, and God says you offend in one point, you've offended in all. So don't, don't be walking around like you're better than somebody else because they commit this sin and you committed that one. Okay? We're not better than anybody else on the street. We're not better than anybody else that's living on the street. We're not anybody else that's right now on drugs or in jail. Nobody's better than anybody else because we're all, we've all violated some point of the law. For the person in Christ by faith, they understand that the law has no ability to bring them salvation or righteousness. Therefore, the, uh, the law is effectively dead to them. It's the end. It's dead to them. The law is dead to them because the law is not the way they got righteousness. It's dead to them as far as righteousness is concerned. You don't get righteousness through the law. You get righteousness from Jesus Christ. That's what we study about on Wednesday nights. Justification. Propitiation. For, now, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to the believer. God's, listen to this now, God does not say the law ceased to exist. That's not what the verse says. It doesn't say that the law ended, that the law ceased to exist. It said the law did not cease to exist, but for the believer, the law is ended as a, meaning of, as a means of obtaining righteousness through obedience to it. You get blessing by obedience in this life. You don't get righteousness by obedience. That's why God said all of our righteousness is as filthy rags to God. Because if we offend in one point, we've offended in all. Is everybody totally confused so far? You don't even want to respond. We're not under law, but under grace. The believer is not under law for his eternal destiny. And that's what the scripture is saying. You don't get, your, you don't get justified. You don't get righteousness through the law. The the law has ended for righteousness. And watch this. The law has ended for righteousness. And God even clarifies that. He says, to the believer. See, the person who truly believes in Jesus Christ understands he can't get righteousness through the law. He's got to get righteousness through Jesus. 
the rest of the world out there still think they can get righteousness through the law. And that's why they're still striving after the law. They're out there trying to fulfill the law and trying to cut. And he said, God said, no, it's ended. Guess who it's ended to? To the believer. Because the believer understands there's no righteousness through the law. It's righteousness through Jesus Christ. The law is like a mirror. You ever, you ever been doing something, been uh, uh, just working or doing something, fellas, and... and and, you know, you didn't re- recognize it or notice it. And when you walked into a mirror, you realized you got all kinds of dirt and dust coming out of your nose. And you got it into your ears. And you got it on your hair. And you didn't even realize it. You just walk in. You're ready to, you know, come in. Hey, go to your wife. Give me a kiss, baby. <laughs> but you walk up to a mirror and you all of a sudden go, my goodness. I was with my brother. We were putting transmission fluid in, wasn't it? Transmission fluid and, and something, man, he's pumping away. You know, no, we're pumping it out, trying to pump transmission fluid out. All of a sudden, a little pump separated from the tube. And he went, and they're all over me. And I'm thinking, I probably didn't get me too bad. Man, it was all over my face, all over my beautiful hair. It was all over my shirt, my tie, my, you know, it was everywhere. It, whatever, you don't see that until you get in the mirror. That's what the law is. The law says, let me show you how, how far off you are. Because God says, this is where your direction for, for, for holiness, if you want to come, but try to earn your way there. He said, man, you know, listen to me. He said, this is what right and this is what wrong is, and you're way over here. It's kind of like when I go out and play ball with all these, these young guys. We go out here to the field, and when I'm playing, I feel just young as they do. I think I look like them, and then I walk by a mirror or a window, and I go, oh, my goodness. I can't even believe that guy's still alive out there. And then I start thinking, what in the world were the kids thinking while they were playing with me? And they're all just thinking, why is this old man out here? Now, the law was never to save but to show the need of salvation. Today, we are under the law, but that law is the law of grace through faith. Yes, it's the law of liberty, some will say, but it's not liberty to do whatever you want, but rather the liberty to live for God through love and through the Spirit of God. We still have a chalk line. If you ever, you know, I'm not much in construction, but I do understand a chalk line a little bit because, you know, I pull it, pop it, and it makes a nice little line there that I still can't cut. Y'all don't get that either. You, thank you. But we still have a chalk line that will lead us to blessings in this life. It's called the law of the Lord. It's called the Word of God. Now, it's not so that we we can earn our way to heaven. I already got that. I didn't earn it. It was a gift. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. But the law of God is a chalk line that shows me how to walk the path to heaven. You say, well, it's going to get you to heaven. No, it's just showing me how I to walk, how I live, how I I, I, I go through this life on my way to heaven. Psalm 119, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way, listen to this, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart. I want you to notice over and over, it's talking about blessings. 
not salvation, blessings. Psalm 19, verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Now, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, but that's, that's not conversion as, as far as, as, uh, as salvation. Uh, my preacher a long time ago wrote a book called Salvation is More Than Being Saved. Uh, you know, we're on a, on a journey after we get saved. Our journey through life until we go to heaven is a journey of conversion, of being converted to being more like Christ. So the law of the Lord is converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. God said, if you want the blessing like, like eating spiritual honey and the honeycomb, he said, come and obey the law of the Lord. I think I've already given this illustration once, but I asked at BBS a bunch of those kids, and I asked them if they were saved and trusting Christ, and I said, uh, would you raise your hands? And they did. I gave them a card and asked them to write down anything else that would help them go to heaven. And the vast majority of them started writing down things like, you know, obey my mama, read my Bible, read my Bible every day, pray every day. And I realized we've, we've got a problem with the understanding that our kids have. Now, if I did that same thing this morning, hand out a card. Now, if I ask you, if I ask this room, vast majority, I think almost everybody say, you know, I know for sure I'm going to heaven or trust Christ as my Savior. But then I passed out to this room and I said, what else is going to help you get there? What would we write? What you write and what you believe will determine whether the law takes you down That's what the law does. It slams you down. What you write and what you believe will determine whether the law takes you down or if you're stopped by a greater force called grace. What about you? What about your loved ones? What about your friends? You see, it does matter what people believe. It really does. Salvation is by grace through faith. And I've taken this morning, and I've tried my very best to, to make it clear. The law is very important, but it's not, in, it's not our way of salvation because no one can keep the law. You can try so very hard, but you're going to offend. And, and people lie to themselves when they, when they say, no, I, I've arrived to spiritual perfection. Well, that kind of pride and arrogance just proves they haven't. Nobody's arrived. Salvation is a gift. Righteousness of Christ is given to us. But look, if, if you're still struggling with the fact that Galatianism, well, I know I trusted Jesus as my Savior, but I know God wants me to, to do this. You know, that's why I'm at church this morning, because I hadn't been in a while. And, and man, if something happened to me, you know, I've been messing up, and something happened to me, I, I want to make sure I go to heaven. 
well, uh, you just came to church with a bunch of imperfect people, okay? And guess what? When we walk out, we're still going to be imperfect people. It's either going to be imperfect saved people or imperfect lost people. But we're imperfect people. This didn't get you a step up on the spiritual ladder or step toward righteousness. And if you have a loved one that believes that, it's time that we start pouring our heart out in prayer for them. Not condemning them because, that, you know, argument and debate doesn't win anybody. Confronting people and telling them they're wrong just convinces them that they're right. But if you approach them in love, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. If we approach them with a broken heart, if we approach them in love, if we approach them through prayer, through God's power and strength, and we pray for them regularly, I believe God can do something. God can change them. But we can't really do that until we are fully convinced in our own heart, I cannot earn my way to heaven. I can't keep heaven or my place in heaven by how I live after I get saved. I don't keep it. If that was true, you'd have to get saved every day of your life. Because more than likely, you're going to do something, think something, say something that God would consider sin. Now, we can say, no, I don't think it's sin, but God does. We come short of the glory of God. So I'm, I'm begging you, just let's, you know, it wouldn't hurt. I know this is a lot of information. It wouldn't hurt maybe to see the guys back there and get a copy of this. I'm not saying it's a great sermon, but maybe... Just sit down and listen to it a little bit at a time. I almost broke it up into, into two messages. But sit down and listen to it. And get this really set in your, in your mind. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And nothing else. Can't be anything else. The law was not done away. It was done away it, for righteousness. Scripture never says it's ceased. You're still blessed by how you live. Father, I pray that you bless us this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning. And Lord, if there's somebody here still 